Mike Pence campaigns in Fort Wayne, why he came back to help other Republicans. Carrier and the presidential debate, the first debate for the candidates for governor and a preview of the running mate debate. That plus a trumped up landscape and more on Indiana Week in Review for the week ending September 30, 2016. Programming is made possible by Ice Miller. Ice Miller, with a 100-year tradition of learning what is important to clients and strategizing with them toward a common goal. Today, Ice Miller continues its commitment to help clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com. This week, Mike Pence held a campaign rally in Fort Wayne. Donald Trump has a solid lead over Hillary Clinton in Indiana, so there is no need for Pence to hold a rally here unless he's trying to help out other Republicans, and that's exactly what he's doing. Pence shared the Fort Wayne stage with Indiana Senate candidate Todd Young and with Lieutenant Governor Eric Holcomb, who is running to succeed him in the State House. Spokesmen for those two campaigns say the rally was Pence's idea, and they are grateful. It's just another indication that this is a very serious national race uh, that's going to decide the future of the Senate, it's going to decide the future of the Supreme Court. And obviously having uh, the governor of our home state on the national stage running for vice president is a huge coup. And when he's, he's able to hold a rally like this, we're all for it. That's Pete Seat, preceded by Jay Kenworthy. Is Mike Pence a difference maker for Indiana Republicans? It's the first question for our Indiana Week in Review panel. Democrat Ann Delaney, Republican Mike McDaniel. John Schwannis, the host of Indiana Lawmakers, and John Ketzenberger, president of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. I'm Wish TV Statehouse reporter Jim Shella and Delaney. What can Democrats do to counter the Pence rally? Oh, I think we should schedule more Pence rallies around the state. I mean, it tells you just what you need to know, that Eric Holcomb's ad does not mention the guy that made him lieutenant governor, okay? Evan Bayes got one in there with, with Mike Pence, but, but certainly not Eric Holcomb. He wants to stay as far away from him as he can get. Now, he goes to safe Republican territory up in Fort Wayne and doesn't go but, anywhere but, but else. Also, but also knows that it's going to get statewide coverage. Yeah, but that's the, I don't think that's a plus for them. I really don't. I think when they realize, and they are realizing, that all Eric Holcomb is, is is a taller Mike Pence, and when the attitudes and the policies followed by, uh, by uh, Young are the same, no worker training, on and on, break the unions, all that kind of stuff, I don't think people want any part of either one of them. Uh, that rally was held at the War Memorial. There were some empty seats. Well, it's a big building. It's a 9,000-seat building or 10,000-seat building in Fort Wayne. So it's like the Coliseum is here. So doing a rally like that in the middle of the day is kind of tough, but I'm glad they did it. I think it's good. First of all, the Fort Wayne market goes into western Ohio, which is a battleground state for <laughs> which, anybody. Which might be the sole motivation for this. Well, <laughs> it, it, that's part of it. I, I'm sure that's part of the calculation. It goes into western Ohio. They were campaigning in Ohio and Pennsylvania today, so that makes sense. Doing it for those two gentlemen is a big help because the bigger the Trump-Pence victory in Indiana, the more it helps the down ballot tickets, and uh, that's important too. So 
you know, this makes sense for a lot of reasons, and I think it's very helpful to both of them. One of the things Mike Pence said on stage in Fort Wayne is, is that uh, uh, Todd Young's opponent picked on the wrong Marine. It's a, a line from the movie A Few Good Men. Uh, the, the Marine in that movie lost. Um, <laughs> oh, well, you're always muddling stories with the facts. Why not bring up a, a, a line like that, which, given the, uh, the topic and uh, the, the surrounings there in the memorial, the vet, which honors uh, veterans and their service, it's it's the right line for the right audience, so that 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 makes sense. And I, as we can debate whether Eric Holcomb, how whether he's keeping the uh, Pence administration or legacy at arm's length or not, and, it, and I think it does depend on what the audience is and, and what the issue is certainly. But think of the controversy if this event had taken place and Eric Holcomb had decided conveniently, to, I, have, I, have a, <laughs> yeah. I have a haircut or I'm going to be yeah. in, you know, in, in uh, yeah. campaigning in Terre Haute, then that becomes what, what is a... You mean like John Gregg and Hillary kind of thing? <laughs> that, I think, <laughs> let's put it this coming. way, let that's a know, much more significant story if, he in was fact, like the, the would-be successor to the governor <laughs> makes it a point yeah. to stay away. Okay. I yeah. think that's a more significant story, yeah. no which didn't happen. Uh, Democrats have been doing a tour this week. Uh, John Zodi, the state chairman, and Scott Pilath, the minority leader in the, in the House of Representatives, trying to tie Holcomb to Pence. Uh, it's, <laughs> well, well, I tried. Hol- yeah, I was going to say, Hol- well, Holcomb hasn't really distanced himself from Pence in any not. meaningful way uh, because he has embraced the governor's record. He, you know, he, he, he became lieutenant governor because of this governor. It would be pretty hard for him to, to make that distance, as John was just saying. It would be kind of a kick in the teeth, I would say. So I think that, uh, um, you know, they're making a point that is being made by Eric Holcomb himself. The only area, though, where the the stiff arm does come out is on RIFRA, on the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, where, again, when he's asked about it, and it's not a subject he's bringing up, Eric Holcomb's bringing up, he'll say that's been... Dealt yeah. with. Well, and, uh, he's, and, not, but, he's wrong. Which, and he, he just says, doesn't want to say. He doesn't want to reiterate his position. I'm just. I'm making the point that says, whereas on the economic issues, he's he's embracing yeah. it. He's not embracing that. What, what he says is true. both sides have not come to compromise. He also says that there's not a chance that's probably going to happen in the near future, and that local ordinances are covering the situation the way it works now. And so he's given exactly what's happened as we move forward. But he's this not time. saying, oh, that's the he greatest says policy that. I wish yeah. we had. But that's the what he says when he talks about it. The problem with that whole analysis, though, Mike. And it's all true. No. The problem well, with that, true. excuse me just a second. Well, I think it is true that there is no true. compromise and no progress. That may be, but the problem is that there have been suits filed against those local ordinances, and they say that it exceeds their ability to do that. Yeah. And those so the problem decided. is not behind us, as Eric Holcomb would like to say, well, and, and it needs to be fixed at the statewide level. There is inconsistency from the legislature on home rule as well. Sometimes they're poor, sometimes the candidates for president met in the first 2016 debate this week, and Donald Trump said this. All you have to do is take a look at carrier air conditioning in uh, Indianapolis. They left, fired 1,400 people. They're going to Mexico. So many hundreds and hundreds of companies are doing this. Trump once again brought up carriers move to Mexico. He said we have to stop jobs from being stolen from us. But Bill Clinton said Trump blames the North American Free Trade Agreement or NAFTA. The former president says that's not what really happened. When they announced that decision, carriers furnished division was making $2.9 billion a year. The profit margins per sale were going up. 
and the union offered to save them the exact same amount of money they were going to save going to Mexico by changing the work schedules. So why did they do it? Because they wanted to break the union, get the money in a hurry, and give it to their activist shareholders. We used to call them raiders. And the CEO. Mike McDaniel, does Trump want to debate Bill Clinton? Is there any surprise that the guy that signed the NAFTA legislation into law would come up with an answer like that? When Carrier left Indiana, they, the head of the company said himself that the reasons were federal regulations, both labor and EPA, for the biggest reasons. And anybody knows that labor costs were a consideration in that also. So those are the reasons they left, like a lot of other companies have left. But Trump wants to try to do something to break that habit of these companies moving, and I'm, I hope that they can do that because that's what's going on here. But to have Clinton talking about this in retrospect when he's the one to sign NAFTA to laws, you know, it's not going to what, fly. What's interesting to me is that Donald Trump thinks the carrier story works in his favor, and, and yet Democrats in Indiana think it works in their favor. It does. Evan Bayh did a roundtable with carrier workers right. today. Right, because Bill Clinton is exactly right about this. This is a, this is about the Republican policy to break the back of the unions. It started <laughs> it started with the legislation they passed in the, in the Indiana legislature to break the state unions, to break the uh, teachers' union, to break the bill building trades union, and it's consistent. Now, you know, they weren't able to break the union here because it has some federal uh, components to it. So what do they do? They export the jobs. The Republicans in Indiana ought to be patting themselves on the back. This so is the Republicans all are part carrier? of their program yeah. to make certain that people who have employment in Indiana <laughs> don't make a living wage. The Republicans are running Carrier Corporation? Republicans are running the policies that encourage on, Carrier right. Corporation to leave. Nice and try. the regulation excuse nice they try. gave is bogus. Nice they couldn't name job. one regulation. So you know better than they did. Yeah, because they don't want to Admit the truth. John, will voters be thinking about Carrier? Other than those who work at Carrier or depend on Carrier, will they be thinking about Carrier on November 8th? This has become one of the melange of of issues that has come up, and I think they all start to blur for voters. Um, You know, it's either the immigration issue or it's the the, uh, free trade issue or it's, you know, one thing or another. And I think it's hard for people to separate. I think what we have here is a real issue in, look of, in search of real debate, and we aren't going to find it, unfortunately, because the reality is you can't ignore free trade. You just cannot go back. That is the fact. The other fact is that there are a lot of reasons why Carrier made that decision, um, and some of them uh, probably have to do with the fact that compensation for its top employee or top executives is tied to the stock performance. Until we change two things compensation being tied to stock performance so heavily, and the tax laws in the state that favor that kind of a, of a choice, we're going to continue to have this. So we have to find a real answer, but it's not present in this election. Well, but also the candidates have to go backwards and try to, in order to try to find differences on trade issues uh, in large part. It's... Uh it is complicated, and you're right. You can, uh, you can, if you want, you can find a set of facts and positions and pronouncements over the years to argue any case for any candidate you want. You know, on this deal, I wanted this, but I didn't like that, but I did want this. And in fact, with Lester Holt, the moderator of the first debate, was pressing Donald Trump on how would you, he didn't use the term clawback, but how would you, mm. you know, deal with the carriers and others. He didn't really, as far as I heard, ever have an answer. And that's because of the complexity of the issues. As long as we do have free trade and a global economy, which, we're, you know, until we're all gone and, and our great, great, great times, a factor of 100 grandchildren are gone, we're going to be dealing with, with global trade. 
these issues are, are, are bigger. The other issue, which seems to be ignored so often by many people, Tom Friedman talks about it, though, New York Times columnist, is a lot of this, yes, is compensation costs, but it's also technology. And a lot of the jobs, unless you want to impose on companies and manufacturers an edict that says you hereby have to roll back, roll back technology to 1956 or whatever date you want, yeah, you, it doesn't, there are, this is not simply onshore or offshore. It's also high tech, but there's another way. There's another way you can do it, and you can retrain the workers, which is what's something that Senator Donnelly's proposed that Todd Young has been against. So it, you can do things something to Mike make Pence them be... Something also in doing. Well, it's good, because Todd yeah. Young is not. But those would so, be different jobs to the point that's, that, that That's I'm okay, but we, we, have, we have employees here who can be trained, who are as intelligent as any worker anywhere in the world, and if we train them that. properly and invest the money in it, we can do it. Time now for viewer feedback. Each week we pose an unscientific online poll question in conjunction with our Ice Miller email and text alerts. This week's question, will you watch all three presidential debates. Your choices are A, I can't look away, B, it's a waste of time, or C, just tell me about them. Last week's question, what do you think of the decision by players on the Indiana Fever to kneel during the national anthem? 63% said it's their right. 20% said it's disrespectful. 17% said they should stick to basketball. If you'd like to take part in the poll, go to wfyi.org slash IWIR and look for the poll. The candidates for governor met in their first debate this week, and there were no fireworks. Students from several Indiana high schools made up the audience at Lawrence North. Students also posed questions to the candidates. Education was the theme. Here is John Gregg, followed by Eric Holcomb. We've got money in the bank, but at what expense? We need a surplus, and I'm glad we've got one. But look at our infrastructure, look at our schools, look at our communities, at what expense. When my roof leaks, I fix it. We had scaled back the state employee roles back to the Nixon years that you mentioned at the outset. So we have proven that you can do more with less if you grow the economy. We're still going to see more government intervention where it, where it shouldn't be. The government should be collecting the money for schools, handing it back. Uh, to the locals and letting them decide. And that's Libertarian candidate Rex Bell. There were a number of problems with this debate, uh, including the fact that there were no closing statements. It was focused on education. The biggest education issue is pre-K. It didn't come up. John Katzenberger, you will moderate the next debate. Can you do a better job? <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Please. Can we please. vote on that? <laughs> <laughs> Holy smokes. Um, well, I'll tell the, you, uh, we'll, bar pretty high now. We'll, uh, we'll do the best we can on Monday night. I'm looking forward to it because it is, it is on issues of jobs and the economy that are very important to um, you know, the state and its future. And, and that was actually referenced there by a couple of people in terms of the economic growth is really the underpinning for the ability for the state to be able to pay for things like education. So I'm looking forward to giving them a chance, one, to open, two, to close. But then <laughs> I'll give them that if, if they answer every question. That's what they, they better be answering the questions well. Yeah, yeah. this was a, a web stream debate to be broadcast later uh, directed at high school students, many of whom don't vote. Uh, what's the State Debate Commission thinking? Oh, wow. <laughs> you're in an ordinary mood I, today, aren't you? Do I sense that maybe you're not happy with the way this came down? Is that I, d- it, I think you could do better. If Jim Shella had been in charge. <laughs> I, <would> been, <laughs> debates are, are a challenge. And, any, and I will say this, as somebody who has moderated debates uh, on behalf of the uh, Debate Commission, 
What people who watch these things don't realize is there is the, the pre-debate debate where you talk, the candidates and their representatives mm -hmm. sit down and they have to agree to everything from podium height to question order and to the identity of the questioners to the lengths. And it, it's not as much of an elegant exercise in democracy, perhaps, as, as any of us would like or that you're suggesting it should be. Well, but if, you're, if your point is that there... That aside, no, my point is how about a meaningful policy exchange well, at some point? Well, if you look at education, there are a couple of... of there are big issues, like the notion of, you know, the, the juxtaposition of private school and... Uh, and, and public school and, and the funding, yeah. which is getting increasingly blurred. Did that come up? No. Uh, and then you look, of course, at, at the notion of mandatory or at least uh, universal yeah. uh, preschool and so yeah. forth for uh, for kids. Right. Which which well, may, I mean, you're having a pretty good debate with yourself. Right. right. Well, I do that all the he time. Does that I do that all the time. <laughs> but I will say, in defense, and so I will far, say, you're not winning. In defense, <laughs> Heads I win, losing. tails you lose. Yeah. But in, 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 in the defense of the commission, the yeah. order is right because education, in all seriousness, is the underpinning of, well, sure. of the economic it's, development it's effort. So that's, that, is, yeah, that is, is smart. Two more gubernatorial debates to go. Look, I understand what they were attempting to do in front of a, an audience of students. I think that was admirable that they would try to bring the electoral process to a school and have the debate on education. I don't think it was executed very well. But I think they had a, a good idea trying to do it that way. But I, I'm always amused whenever uh, candidates did talk to each other about issues related to education. Both of them conducted themselves in a gentlemanly fashion, or all three of them, I should say, conducted yeah. themselves in a gentlemanly fashion. And we get bent out of shape because they didn't yell and scream at each other. <laughs> and then when you watch the other debates, when people yell and scream at each other, why are they yelling and screaming and not talking about the issues? So yeah. which way do you want this? Well, because, you've seen this show. Because I, like they, I, I know you do, but, <laughs> they, but they, they each talked about the things that they care about. And what was amazing about it was, for the most part, they were in agreement about what they were going to do for as well, far as education is there's concerned. There's a big difference between the two of them. John well, Gregg wants universal four-year-old right. four education now. Which he can't pay for. Well, that's not true. He no, can pay true. for it. He has a plan to pay for it. We're one of <laughs> only not. eight states, but, only eight states that doesn't provide this. But he barely mentioned it. It's well, a, it's, that's, we, we talked about the function of the questions and the format. But John is firm on this, whereas all... Uh, Holcomb wants to do is expand it a little more so we well, can test it a little more. Let me just say, go to the most needy students. Well, first yeah, of all, first all of all, them need it. Which is because also, it affects graduation rates, it affects yeah. success in school, it affects remediation costs. Even in, in uh, kindergarten, it'll affect remediation They want costs. two years of pre-K, and that's a billion dollars, okay, mm -hmm. which we don't have. That would blow through any surplus that's there. That's the second part of pre-K is that he's going to have Republican majorities in both halves of the legislature, even if he is elected governor. Yeah. He is not going to oh, get. So the Republicans two, won't look at not going to get two years of pre-K at a billion dollars. States. A billion dollars for two years. You want to raise taxes? Doing it. You want to raise taxes? Say so. Well, you know what? Sometimes you, you get what raise you pay taxes. for, Mike. And when, well, when Holcomb says, go. when Holcomb uh, says he's rolling that's, back the rolls, that's the bottom line. You want to raise taxes? He is outsourcing those jobs, and he is paying them ten dollars an hour without benefits. He's proud of that. We're going to come back to pre-K in a minute. First, yeah. Tim Kaine will have a home field advantage in next week's running mate debate. He's a senator from Virginia, and the debate will be held at a Virginia college, Longwood University. He sat down with a reporter from Virginia station WAVY to talk about it. It is a debate fundamentally about whether Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump should be president. And so I need to make this case about Hillary's lifetime of service service to others and contrast it with Donald Trump's lifetime of putting himself above others.
I love what Donald said the other night in his debate. And I've been preparing a little bit for my own next week. And that's what Mike Pence said about the debate at a rally in Pennsylvania. John Schwannis, will this be a low-key debate? I think uh, in relative terms. When you look at what they're up against, which is the, the, the headlining act or the, uh, the top uh, yeah. of the marquee, I think anything, even these two debating next to that, would probably um, would pale in terms of the sort of the hijinks yeah. and, the, and the rhetoric. So it will. And generally speaking, we should look historically, these debates, while interesting, they don't generally create the sparks, with the exception, perhaps, of Lloyd Benson yeah. and, Dan and Dan Quayle. Yeah. You don't know that won't happen I was again. actually yeah. at Lloyd Benson's home party headquarters in Longview, Texas, it went at watching it, covering it for the Indianapolis News at that point. And if you don't think that changed the, the oh, uh, yeah. course sure, of, of course uh, that debate or the, the race, at least temporarily, you'd be wrong. Spec Mike Pence will do well. Well, I, I was thinking about the Benson-Quayle debate the last time a Hoosier was in this um, position. And I got to think that, that Mike Pence might want to be a little more spare on his references to Ronald Reagan. He's been very free with comparing Ronald Reagan and Donald Trump. And I think that uh, if he does that, he might find himself in a Lloyd Benson moment. Yeah. I, I think Tim Kaine is an experienced. He's very intelligent and very knowledgeable about the issues. And I think Mike Pence better spend a lot of time preparing, certainly a lot more than his headliner did. You'd be in your recliner with some popcorn? I'll be in the Barkalander with some corn and the dog in my lap and rooting for Mike, and I think he'll do a great job. Uh, he's, uh, he's ready for this. But on the civility scale compared to what we saw in the first presidential debate, I look for both of these people to conduct themselves like gentlemen. And I think you will have a, a really an, probably a more honest discussion of a lot of issues in this debate than you'll see in most of the presidential debates. I think America is going to find this to be very refreshing before it's over. I don't disagree. Uh, business groups that include the United Way and the Indiana Chamber of Commerce are pushing for more pre-K education in Indiana, where we currently have a pilot program in effect in just five counties. Some key lawmakers aren't convinced that a bigger investment in pre-K will pay off. At an interim study committee in the General Assembly this week, those business groups tried to convince lawmakers that spending more on pre-K would actually lead to savings over the long run. Here's Jay Gachet of the United Way. Families are demanding quality pre-K for the same reasons that businesses like Eli Lilly, Cummins, and PNC support it as well. They know pre-K give their child gives their child a strong academic start. In areas where they have implemented high-quality, well-run early childhood education programs, they've been able to cut funding in other places like remedial education, and that is how it becomes sustainable. And that's Mike O'Connor of Eli Lilly, Mike McDaniel. Should those people wait and see who wins the governor's race? No, I don't think it makes any difference. I think you're going to see an expansion of pre-K. I think you saw discussion of that at the end of the last session. You've seen it during the interim by most of the legislative leadership. Uh, but you're not going to see universal pre-K for two years, which is a billion dollars. And they're not going to see that happen because they're not going to blow through the surplus. and They're not going to raise taxes and do that. It doesn't cost a billion dollars, and it's yes, a sound. It it, Michael, you're <laughs> saying it doesn't make it so, and it and, it, and it doesn't. Quickly, it doesn't. Quickly. All right. The other thing that's interesting about this is the Chamber of Commerce, State Chamber of Commerce, right. a wholly owned subsidiary of the Republican Party, is not <laughs> endorsing Holcomb. 
That's significant. <laughs> Finally. Finally, you can't get away from the presidential race this year, even if you leave the ground. Someone in Cicero is making clear who they are voting for in November. You can see it in this shot from Chopper 8. Trump is mowed into the yard in huge letters. We don't know whose yard it is, but it's near the intersection of Jackson and Main Street on the conservative side of town. And Delaney, it takes longer to mow Hillary. Is that a disadvantage? Well, I'm just glad that this guy didn't lose his house in the uh, debacle of the uh, 2008, like so many people did, and that Trump said was good business. Yeah, you know. Actually, it, it's, I, what I hear now is that he's he's gotten a, he's lost his signs, and so this was one way to is that right? combat that. Well, you know, it's probably growing faster too because the climate, uh, you know, changed. But he doesn't believe in that he, either. He may so. have been a Ted Cruz backer initially because that's two less, two fewer letters. That would have been, I think, a quick mental check. It's good that he the shortest, can at least have been the spell it correctly. Name. That's good. CR, yeah, four letters. That would have been it. The beauty of this is it's going to drive in nuts when Trump and Pence win Indiana by about 12 points. Not as long as he loses the country, which is what's if, going to happen. You think he's going to win Indiana? I think it's still going to be a lot really closer do. than you think. If that happens, yourself. you don't want to look at your front yard because she may know something into it that, <laughs> <laughs> that is different. That's it, does, it doesn't say Trump. But. That's Indiana Week in Review for this week. Our panel is Democrat Ann Delaney, Republican Mike McDaniel. John Schwannis of Indiana Lawmakers and John Ketzenberger of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. If you'd like a podcast of this program, you can find it at wfyi.org slash iwir, or starting Monday, you can stream it or get it on demand from Xfinity or Bright House Networks. I'm Jim Shello of Wish TV. Join us next time because a lot can happen in an Indiana week. Programming is made possible by Ice Miller. Ice Miller, with a 100-year tradition of learning what is important to clients and strategizing with them toward a common goal. Today, Ice Miller continues its commitment to help clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com.